morning, I'd like to open up in prayer, and, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to get into the book of Ephesians to start, and we're going to do the same uh, pattern we did last week, uh, where we did uh, a point and some songs and a point and some songs. I'm not quite strong enough to get through uh, everything yet without um, having to take a break, so we're just going to do it that way this morning once again. So um, if you would do me a favor, open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter Three this morning, a book of Ephesians chapter 3, as we continue to go through. And uh, as you get there, uh, we will open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for choosing us and using us. And God, as we, uh, as we get into your word this morning, I pray that you just speak individually to each one of our hearts as you normally do. Challenge us in a way that only you can. May these words not be mine, but yours. And I pray for the strength to get through it. I pray it in your name. Amen. You know, I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm glad to, uh, to be up here. I feel better. Everybody keeps asking me. Um, yes, I, I do feel better, which has been good. Um, it's, it's two and a half weeks since they, the radiation stopped. Uh, I got to eat food yesterday. I had scrambled eggs. Um, they didn't taste like scrambled eggs, but they were scrambled eggs nonetheless. Um, it was good. It, was, it, was, uh, it, it felt good to kind of be normal that while my family eats dinner that I could actually eat with them versus just sitting there sipping on a protein shake. It, it, was, it was fun. Um, and what, what we did is... Uh, as, as I was going through this week, and I was getting stronger, I was just really praising God for the abilities that He has given each and every one of us. But I was very thankful for what He brought me through, and how He's healing me. And I know that each and every one of us is that way, and I, I was really excited about Fourth of July weekend. The funny thing is, is you know, most churches, what they would do is they would probably put on some big Fourth of July uh, type message with independence and freedom. And as we go through the book of Ephesians, I was hoping it would fall into that. And as we read here in just a minute, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with freedom. There's some bits of it in there, and, and we'll, we'll pull those out. But um, what we're going to talk about this morning is um, just the fact that we've been called to do something, and we have the, the freedom to do it. Because what we will see is that Paul didn't have the freedom. That was the reason why he was in jail at the time he was writing this letter. Um, I, am, I am glad to be in a country that has this freedom. I am glad to, to have the freedom to do this. But I think the thing I'm most excited about, the freedom that I have, is found in Christ. The freedom that I have that is found in Christ. And it's simple enough to know that He is my Lord and Savior, and this is as close to hell as I'm ever going to get. This is as close to hell as I'm ever going to Well, I shouldn't say that. About three, four weeks ago was about as close to hell as I'm ever going to get because I was miserable. But because Jesus came, He has saved us from all the junk of this. I mean, I, this... This world's really not a great place. I mean, if you really think about it, I hate disease. Some of you out there are struggling with diseases and things and, and all sorts of pains and aches in your body. 
And, and this week, or, or this, this last couple of months, I guess, it became very real to me some of the things that people struggle with. You know, when you hear somebody has cancer, you're like, oh, oh I'm sorry to hear that. Now when I hear somebody has cancer, I'm like, oh, geez. Tell me not to do radiation and chemotherapy because that is terrible. And I think about that when somebody says, oh, yeah, I'm going to be doing this. And I have this many treatments, and I'm just like, oh, I, I, I really feel for you. You know, I had an aunt who died of cancer. Um, I had a grand, two different grandfathers die of cancer. I had a grandmother who died of cancer. I've had friends who have died of different diseases. I had a, an uncle who died of HIV, complicated diseases, and just, I'm sure each of us have a story of somebody we've seen just deteriorate and how much this world just tore them apart and the disease that goes with it. I hate that. I hate some of the things of this world, the greed that comes with it. I, I hate the fact that I have everything I need, but I always want more. I hate that. And that's the freedom that Christ gave us, is to free us from those things. I hate the fact that I sit around and I'm complacent with what He has done for me. I don't know about you, but I hate, 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 hate that Jesus gave everything for me. And there's days I don't want to do anything for Him. I hate that about myself, and maybe you feel the same way. You know what else I hate? I hate the fact that this world is so upper class, middle class, low class, and then you have the third world countries. The fact that I can sit here and I can drink this. By the way, I drink out of a Rudy's cup to always remind me that it's not that far away that I get to have a brown cow taco. Um, But... I get to drink clean water whenever I want. I got a bottled water here. And there's people all over the world that either have no water or the water that they do have isn't clean to drink, but that's the only thing they have to choose from. You know, those are the things that I hate. Those are the things that make this place so terrible. But I know, once again, because of Jesus Christ and what He has done for me, And because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for you, this is as close to hell as we're ever going to get if you believe by faith. And we're going to talk about that more today. Our current letter that Paul is writing to church at Ephesus, the funny thing is, is that I talk about the hate that I have for it, the stuff I don't like about this. Paul talks about the joy that he has while he's sitting in prison. And see, when we think the word prison, we think of um, cells that, with locks and beds and toilets and, you know, even cable TV in some of the prisons and things. And, you know, that's not exactly the prison that he was, he was hanging out in. Not the prison that he was writing from. Yet, if you remember back when we were um, in the uh, end of last year, we went through the book of Philippians. And he talked about having joy in all these circumstances. And it continues here in even Ephesians, talking about joy in all of these circumstances. When we started out back in April, going through the book of Ephesians, we started in chapter 1. And in chapter 1, he talks about the greatness about God and how he chose us and how he predestined us and how Christ makes us who we are. 
And he followed that up, talking about that greatness of God with a prayer. We took a little break from Ephesians, came back, uh, and we talked about chapter 2. And chapter 2 talks about who we were, where we are now, and where we're going to be. And the gloriousness of that. So naturally, just like in chapter 1, when he follows up that chapter, he's going to follow it up with prayer. And that's what chapter 3 is about. But Paul seems to be a little bit like me. He has a little bit of ADD. Okay, He gets off on this little rabbit trail. And that rabbit trail is what we're going to talk about these first 13 verses this morning. So I've asked Jerome if he would read it for us. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his Spirit he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please do not lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. I'm going to ask the band to come up, if they would. And as we, uh, as we sing this morning, we're going to start off with a song called Everlasting God. And we've sang it lots of times. But I wanted to, um, I wanted to take a look at this as, as we sing, because I've told you this before. I think sometimes as we sing, we, we come to that time that it's just a song. It just is music, and we're singing along to it, and the words are there, and we're following the words, and that's good and great and all. But we forget that we're actually singing to God, that we are worshiping God. And this song was actually written by Bretton Brown. Um, and the song was actually written, it, before it was written, it actually started out as a prayer around a midnight campfire. Um, they had gone on this, uh, this journey. He was on staff at a church in England, and, they were, and he wasn't from England. He was from South Africa and, and went uh, to go on this camp retreat. Well, he had misjudged the time by about five hours to get to this retreat. And everybody was hungry and everybody was angry and they were all sitting around and they were kind of bickering. And he said, hey, let's just have a time of prayer and we're going to sit around. And they all kind of pulled out their instruments and started doing this little jam at midnight around this campfire. And the first thing they said is, our strength will come as we wait upon the Lord. 
Our strength will come as we wait upon the Lord. One of the things I think about with Paul is, is that his strength came as he waited upon the Lord. How much could he have been bickering that he was in prison again because of what God had called him to do? How much could he have done? Over and over and over again, yet his strength came as he waited upon the Lord. So as we sing that this morning, I want you to think about those words. So stand and sing with us as we sing about everlasting God. Getting into uh, Ephesians chapter 3, I want to break down a little bit by verse here what's going on. He says in verse 1, when you think, when, when I think of all this, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, for the benefit of of you Gentiles. Now he says, when I think of all this, that takes us back to chapter 2. This is where he was getting ready to start his prayer at, saying, when I think about all the things that God has done for us, I've taken us from where we were to where we are now to where we're going to be. We just have to thank God for that. And the, the funny thing is, he says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ for the benefit of of you Gentiles. For the benefit of you Gentiles, you see Acts 21 tells us that the reason why Paul's sitting in prison here is because he had been preaching to the Gentiles this news of grace, this news that it's not about doing. It's about Jesus dying on the cross and God shedding his grace on each and every one of us. You see, the Jewish leaders were stuck and these rules and regulations, they're in that, that religious mindset. And it's unfortunately still around today. We get stuck in this idea that it's about what we do, not about what Christ did. And Paul was preaching that to the Gentiles. Because that's what he was called to do. As a matter of fact, that's what it says here in verse uh, 2. It says, assuming, by the way, that you know that God gave me the special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God gave Himself, or God Himself, revealed His mysterious plan to me. You see, this, this is where Paul gets off in his little sidetrack here, assuming, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, by the way, by the way, I want to let you know the reason that I'm doing this is because God has called me to do this. This is the reason why I am here. He came face to face with me on the road to Damascus, and this is what he told me to do. I mean, that's what we can assume, that right there he said, hey, you're going to preach the word to the Gentiles, and you're going to tell them about the grace of me, or God. And they're going to they're talk about that, and it's his job. In some of your translations, it actually says to a, the administration of grace, or in, in this one it says special responsibility of extending his grace, and even other translations say it's stewardship. This was a big responsibility. It was his to manage to the Gentiles. It was his to pass along, and God revealed this mysterious plan. Now what is the mysterious plan that he revealed to him? Is it still a mystery? Is it something that we are still trying to figure out? In verses 4 through 6, it tells us 
what this mystery is, as a matter of fact. But we're going to go to sing here in just a minute. And what I want you to think about during this time of singing is, is Paul was a man, just like you and I. And he was a man probably worse than you and I. As a matter of fact, he calls himself worse, as we'll read further in this passage. He is the least worthy to be used by God. Yet he was called by God, and he used his gifts to pass on to the Gentiles this grace of God. It passed down and passed down and passed down, and we are sitting here today because of it. As we think about that, as we think about those things, even though we're not worthy, God gave us to us anyway. Remember that as we worship. Let's stand and sing together. Isn't it sad that sometimes we do take all that glory for us? The things that we think we can do when really it's all about Jesus. It's all about the grace of God. As we read and continue reading in chapter 3, <clears throat> read with me verses 4 and 5 here. It says, As you read what I've written, you'll understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. There's this mystery. This mystery of Christ revealed here, or as it says here in the New Living Translation, a plan regarding Christ. It's the basics of this mystery that was revealed to Paul. And what it's all about is Jesus. It's all about what Jesus came to do, what he did, and what he's continuing to do. And in verse 6 it says, and this is God's plan. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. Both enjoy the promises of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. What's the mystery? The mystery, God's plan, is that Jesus Christ has unified all believers. That's what we talked about last week. Regardless of class, regardless of race, or any other factor, Jesus has unified each and every one of us. And if we look back at verse 6, the common foundation for us is believing in what? The good news. Believing in the good news, that belief and faith in Jesus Christ, that is where our freedom comes from. The freedom we celebrate today, the freedom we will celebrate tomorrow as a country, stems from the freedom that we have in Christ. The freedom that we have in Christ frees us from sin, or at least the effects of sin. Unfortunately, we don't just get to stop sinning when we become Christians. But it frees us from that bondage. It frees us from the rules and regulations that the Jewish leaders were following. And it blows me away. It blows me away how quickly we can get wrapped up in doing. And that 
we have these rules and regu- regulations that we have to do, that we have to do this, have to do that, have to do that, and churches absorb it, and people feel it, and you, you can't come in dressed any other way than this. You can't come in any, carrying any other Bible than this. You can't do that. Jesus came to free us from all of that. Jesus came to free us from all of that. He came to free us from our pride. We have this issue where we think even sometimes that we're better than somebody else because we are this super spiritual Christian and we wear that badge on our sleeve and we say, look at all the things that I have done. That's what the people who arrested Paul were doing. And we get caught up in that. And instead of trying to impress God with what we can do, we need to understand how much He loves us and in response to that love, then do. Because He loved us, that's why we do. We don't do to try and earn His love. That is something we need to remember. And the great thing is, is that when we do mess up and we do let ourselves get in the way, when we forget that it's all about Jesus, He doesn't let go of us. He doesn't drop us and say, hey, sorry, you screwed up and you're out of here. He never does that. He doesn't let go. As we wrap up this section, I want you to take a look here at the first part of this last section. So we see the beginning was talking about the grace of God and the grace that he showed to the Gentiles. And he did that by giving us Jesus Christ. And the second part we saw was really the mystery of Christ, why Christ even came in the first place, revealed. The next thing we're going to see is is really the work of Paul and and what he's to do. Look what it says here in verse 7. Verse 7 says, By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. His whole goal, his whole calling was to share the gospel with people. To get the word of God out. And the great thing I love about it, by God's grace and his mighty power, it's by God's grace that he called Paul to do this. Most of you probably already know this. Some of you may not. But at one point in time, Paul was Saul. And when he was Saul, he was probably the most anti-Christian person out there. So much so to have Christians jailed and even killed. When you really think about that, how does somebody go from that to being a follower of Christ so much so that they consider it a privilege to share the good news. How did you get to where you are at today? Some of you became Christians as adults, maybe even in high school. Maybe you had that, what they call, backslidden time where you were away from God even while you were a Christian. 
How did you get back to the point where you are right now? Is it something that you did? No, it was by God's grace and God's mighty power. I'm not sure. Well, let me just ask. Show by a show of hands. How many of you have a relative, a coworker, or a friend who is pretty anti anything church or Christian? Just a show of hands. Okay, everybody. Just about. I figured that would happen. I mean, we we uh, live in a state that is 91% uh, unchurched, unsaved. So I assume that would happen. How in the world are they ever going to get to the point? where they're going to get down on their knee and they're going to confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. How are they ever going to get there? Is it through you? Yeah. It is through you that God will use His grace and His mighty power to show who He is. You see, sometimes we think there's somebody that's just way too lost. That they're so lost, there's no way in the world they're ever going to come to know Christ. There's no way in the world they're ever going to become a Christian. Well, I'm sure that's what everybody thought about Saul, who became Paul. As a matter of fact, after his conversions, people still didn't believe it. And he goes on in verse 8 and 9 to say this. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He, God, graciously gave me the privilege, the privilege, there's that word again, of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Least deserving. Least deserving to A, have Christ as a Savior, and B, be allowed to share it with others. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're just not worth the blood that Jesus spilled? That why would Jesus die for me? I have moments like that. Times where I just shake my head and say, God, why do you even bother using me? I'm worthless. But to God, we're not worthless. And neither is that co-worker or friend or neighbor. He's worth one Jesus. He's worth His Son. And that's a lot. I've told you many, many, many times. I have three wonderful kids. I wouldn't give any of them up for any one of you ever, just to let you know that. So if it ever comes down to the choice, I'm going to say, sorry, I warned you. That's, that's just the way it's going to have to be. But God gave His one and only Son for people who didn't even like Him, who actually hated Him, who actually rejected Him. God gave His Son for them. And Paul was now determined because he was once on the other side. He was now determined because of the calling he was given to preach. To preach what? To the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. What change can God make in a person's life? 
What changes he made in your life? What change is he continuing to make in your life? I guess the real question all comes down to these final three verses. And that's why. Why did God share this mystery? Why did he do it then? Why is he doing it now? What's it all about? Well, verse 10 tells us, God's purpose in all of this, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display His wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was His eternal plan, which He carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. This new, united community of faith This thing we call the church, this thing we call the body of Christ, came together by the grace and power of God and exists for a very specific purpose. And that is to display God's wisdom to all the unseen world and all the seen world. Would you say that the church is effectively doing that at this point in time? Verse 12 goes on to say this. It says, Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Some translations say we should have freedom and confidence to approach our Heavenly Father. We have the freedom. God has opened up this door. Jesus has reconciled us. Remember we talked about that last week. He's reconciled us to God. There's no longer a gap between us. If we believe and have faith in Jesus Christ, we can come to the Father whenever, boldly. Can I ask you a question about how you pray? I don't know how many of you take time to pray on a regular basis. I don't know how many of you just do it at mealtime and it's thank you for the food, thank you for today, amen. But when you come to God to pray, do you ever use the words, if you could just, if you could just, does that sound confident or bold in any way, shape, or form? It doesn't. That's not the way that we are to approach God's throne. He has opened up the door for us to be able to come confidently and boldly into His presence. And we have access to Him through our faith in Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. It's not on the, on the screen there. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How should we approach God in our prayer? Like He is a maybe kind of God? Like He might be able to do it? Or should we approach Him as if He's the God of the universe who created everything and is over everything? Let's read verse 13. So so please don't lose heart because of my trials here in prison. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. 
He's telling the Gentiles, hey guys, I'm in prison because I am preaching you about this grace. The grace that you need to know about because this is as close to hell as we're ever going to get. Don't be discouraged. I get to suffer for the glory of God. There are times on this earth that it feels like we are suffering. But you don't have any idea who you're touching as you're going through it. As you go through it, understanding who God is and what He has done and that God is God and He's in control and He has a plan through it all. You don't know how you're reaching out. You don't know what you are doing. The great thing is is that God has showed us mercy and grace. How are you responding to it? How are you responding to God's mercy and grace? Is it by doing good works? Is it by saying, oh, I can do this on my own? You see, one of the arresting groups of Paul, the Pharisees, that's what they were all about. It was all about rules, regulations, studying. They, they knew everything about the Old Testament. They memorized it. They had it all up here. Yet when Jesus walked right in front of them, they completely missed him. They missed the mystery. They missed it being revealed because they were too worried about doing what's on the outside versus what's on the inside. And Jesus talks to them about that even in, in the book of Matthew. And we'll get to that eventually here probably in a couple of weeks. Or maybe you said, hey, you know what? My grandma, she was a Christian. And my family's gone to church and you know what, that, that kind of carries down the way. It's, it's been good. And I'm born in America. Doesn't that make me a Christian? Doesn't it just fall in line with that? You wouldn't believe how many people I've talked to that have actually said that. Well, why are you going to go to heaven? Well, I'm a good person and, you know, I, I'm a Christian. Oh, why are you a Christian? Well, my grandma goes to church and you know, I went to church with her once. And, uh, it blows you away to think that that's people's mentality. But the thing is, is even in that day, there was a group of people called the Sadducees. They were born into their religious positions. It was a birthright, a family thing. They missed the mystery of God's grace and mercy revealed. I want you to understand this morning, as we close up, that God sent His one and only Son to die for you. Not so that you would have to earn anything, but because of His grace and mercy. Don't miss His grace and mercy this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for who you are and what you have done. We couldn't have done it on our own. One sin separates us completely and totally from you. But one Jesus reconciles those sins and brings us back to a perfect standing. Lord, if there's somebody in here that does not know your son as their personal Savior, I would pray, Lord, this morning that they would make that decision. I pray it in your name. Amen. We're going to wrap up this morning with, uh, with everlasting God again. I'm going to slide back to the back. And if you'd like to talk to me about understanding more about Jesus, about baptism, about any questions you might have, I'd be happy to answer them for you, or at least give it my best shot. Guys? Okay.